Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number nine. Today we're talking about treble clef note names in the music room. We'll also share highs and lows from our school week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, and in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. It's our high notes and low notes section. Um, what are you sharing with us? A high note, an awesome thing, a low note, not so good? Uh, <laughs> all of the above. No, yeah. It's just, a high note. Yay. Um, so I, I've talked in uh, multiple podcast episodes, I think, about my fifth grade program that I had been working on, which was my stomp-inspired program. Stompalicious. Um, there was a, a bad low note once where the kids broke stuff, and then there was a high note where they didn't break stuff, and we finally had the performance. And if you're going to break stuff, yesterday. save it for the performance. Exactly. But no, nothing broke. And in fact, Yay. the performance actually went well, and I can also preface all this by saying again that this I've this is my second year at this school and uh the students hadn't had a lot of performance opportunities previous to to me being there just due to a lot of turnover of music teachers and such and performing just wasn't um a big thing at that school and so I'm trying to turn that around yeah and uh so these kiddos really hadn't performed much from what I understand so a lot of it was um just getting them to understand the ins and outs of being on stage, so to speak. We don't have a stage. They're on the gym floor. That's the stage. That's the stage. But that in itself was a mindset change. You know, they're used to the gym being the gym. And we have a really excellent PE teacher, and they do a lot with athletics at that school. But now turning that into a performance space was just a change So wait, you don't have, like, the cafeteria that opens onto the gym? No. We have a gym. That's a gym. And that's it. Yeah. And so unfortunately, yeah, my performance space is limited. So I'm definitely going to look into doing programs that are local high school and their auditorium for the future. I don't want to go that big quite yet just because I'm still kind of getting my feet wet there. But um, yeah, so I mean, there's risers I can put in there and then they just set up chairs and there is a built in sound system that doesn't always sound so great. So we just kind of transform one wall of the gym I just, I thought every um, building in our in our district had some kind of. Not ours. Oh gosh, that's interesting. <laughs> I'm at I one no of idea. the older buildings, from what I understand. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. But, anyways, the the point is, the students performed right. yes. well. You made it work. They they each class got to do their own stomp performance that they created with guidance from me, of course. We did one big thing in the beginning, one big thing at the end. It was very well received. We actually just did it twice during the school day and then invited parents to come during the school day for a variety of reasons. It just wasn't going to work to do an evening performance at this particular one. But we had a lot of parents come and got a lot of great feedback. And from, then the whole school got to see it. Yes, like, the, the whole school got to school. see it in, in two different, we did two different performances because we wouldn't all fit in the gym at yeah. once because it is small. Um, But I got a really sweet letter from one of the kindergarten teachers just this afternoon saying how much her students loved it. And when they went back to class, they were all banging their pencils on her desks, which was very sweet because that means they were inspired. So um, I'm very proud of my students. I'm proud of myself and really appreciative of 
all my teammates and coworkers for their help and it was just a great experience overall. I'm tired, yeah. but it you was deserve great. like a bath and some wine. <laughs> yeah, or just the hot chocolate. Or just the hot chocolate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, how about you, Tanya? High note or low note? Oh well, oh so many. This week lasted a really long time. There were lots of high notes and lots of low notes, ah. and uh, so I'm just gonna like pick one at random, and I'm gonna go with a positive thing, um, just because. My uh, second graders, who are very enthusiastic about like almost everything we do, but one particular song and game that we've been doing in the music room just very recently that I introduced this week was Little Johnny Brown, which is some what one of those it's African American um, song game dance, and it's one of those that you really don't understand what a gem it is until you're doing it with kids yeah have you done that one you no know, and I think for the exact reason you said anytime I've seen it in a workshop I've always enjoyed doing it and mm -hmm. then when I go back to school I'm like eh, I'll save it for later but keep going because yeah. you might inspire well me. you know it's really interesting <laughs> so it's little Johnny Brown spread your comfort down um it is in uh, Step, it down, Step it down, the Bessie yeah. Jones book, and there's there's some videos out there, and it's one where they have the the handkerchief or like some kind of scarf in the middle, and they fold it, fold another corner, Johnny Brown, fold another corner, Johnny Brown, mm -hmm. and then they um, it, it's it's really supposed to be give it to your lover, Johnny Brown, but I've changed it to give it to another. I don't mm -hmm. think that's too much of a foul. No, to change it, I approve. <laughs> I'm not going to have the second grader sing and give it to your lover. It's just, we're not going to do that. That's a little much. Yeah. So um, anyway, so this is one of those that you, uh, I mean, I we, we learn it by doing it. I don't do a lot of like preamble and say, boys and girls, and now we're going to learn this African-American game. I just kind of launch into it and they just follow along. And it's one that the momentum of it really builds. And once you're like into the third time, the fourth time, the kids are just really engaged and it's been just every time I I do I don't do this one every year it doesn't I don't use it for a specific pedagogical purpose this is one I do just for the joy of singing the joy of moving the joy of like doing this as a community together and then when I haven't done it for a while and then I come back to it in a year um, I'm like, oh wow, I totally forgot how much they love this one. Aww. And um, that was just a really fun thing that we did this week that the second graders were really into. And I just love it when they leave the music room and we, and they're still singing it, you know, That's and then the they're in the hallway. And I know we've got these rules in the hallway. We're supposed to be, you know, very uh, stoic and, and hips and lips and, and all of that. But <laughs> Hips and lips? <laughs> no, not in second grade. Yeah, hips. And, yeah, kindergarten. Hips and lips. I don't know hips and lips. Oh, we put our. Okay, you have one hand on your kindergartners. This is a kindergarten thing. Oh. Not second grade, but um, one hand's on your hip, one finger is on your lip. Oh. So when they say kindergartners, hips and lips, <laughs> it's kind of like. Sounds like a nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't it <laughs> we're all about hugs and bubbles at my school oh yeah no we do like bubbles okay. and bubbles and tails which also sounds like a nightclub 
It's, it's Friday night. You wow. can tell. <laughs> yeah, the hot chocolate is not spiked. But anyway, <laughs> hips and lips, bubbles and death. These are all like kindergartners. Stop talking face forward. Right. Get your personal space. But going when they on. start singing, you can't get mad at them. Oh, well, so I can't. Sweet. I mean, other teachers might be annoyed. Exactly. I'm just like, yeah, you. You keep audiating keep on singing that or singing Johnny it Brown. out loud. Just keep on going. So um, that was a high point that I'm going to focus on is the second graders are loving little Johnny Brown. So for today's main theme, we're going to be talking about how to teach treble clef note names in the music room. Yes. 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 We're going to get a little bit philosophical and a lot about the practical, hands-on, like how we conquer. Yeah. uh, Having kids learn treble clef note names. Yeah. Right. And I think it's important to start off by saying, as Kodai-inspired educators, as Tanya and I both are, um, this isn't something that we teach um, early on. No. You know, as far as just a memorization tool. No. We're not teaching kindergartners and first graders, every good boy does fine in FACE. Yeah. We believe that treble clef note names need to be taught, well, first of all, after solfa, after solfege. Yes. Um, that solfege is really the building blocks to what the kids are learning and singing. Yes. Because it can be transferred to different keys and different places on the staff. And it's it's sung more as patterns rather than this note sounds like this. Yeah, this and one of the understandings like in the Kodai philosophy is that you don't give kids unnecessary information yeah. until you can put it in context. Right. So, I mean, I have heard of um, music teachers who are teaching kindergartners note names of the treble clef and the bass clef, but that's all they're doing is espousing note names and they're not connecting to it to anything they're not playing an instrument with it they're just um you know reciting lines and spaces using um, mnemonic devices or just memorizing through drill and kill and that doesn't have any value it's it's kind of a, a it's it's wasted time if it's not put to use like very very soon right um i mean i don't know i i often say when, when talking about this is I could go around the room and point to different things and give them funky names and say, this is a, a whoop-de-doo and that's a whoop-de-wee uh, or I'm just making up stuff or like whatever and, and have people memorize that, but that doesn't do any good right? unless it's got meaning connected to it. And the meaning connected to it that we want the takeaway is that it's an absolute pitch that, Hey, when I say, third line B and the treble clef, it sounds like this here, and it sounds like this on this instrument, and they need to connect this understanding. It can't just be, I know that that's a B. And it's the same thing with knowing rhythm names. Like, mm-hmm. I would rather my, my students be able to articulate and uh, say, play a rhythm, clap a rhythm, rather than being able to point out that's a quarter note, that's for sixteenth right. notes. So being able to do it and um, put it into actual music is of more value than just saying, I can name these things that connect to music. Right. I've heard the comparison where instead of just 
you know, teaching a kindergartner just letters of the alphabet and how to strand those letters together to make words, we teach our kids sight words. Yes. Because that makes them more fluent readers. Exactly. And the same can be said for teaching kids patterns through solfa and patterns through rhythm work. And then we teach them those absolute pitch names, those treble clef pitch names later on once they have the context of what music sounds like within a song and within patterns. Oh, that's a really good comparison. Like, I'm thinking about baby books, alphabet baby books, because the best ones are the ones that don't just show you A, B, C, D, E, F, G, but A, apple. Yes. Uh, you know, and all these different A words. Yeah, because all of those letters don't make sense just by themselves. Makes, yeah, exactly. It makes no sense. So yeah. that's a philosophical thing. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I don't do... Any absolute pitch names, and when we say absolute pitch, we're talking about the letter names. Yes. Um, until uh, we get to recorder, we uh -huh. do a lot on the bard instruments, even though they have letters on them. I really don't connect it to the staff until we're doing recorders. Yeah. So, like in my second graders right now, uh, we are doing a lot of staff work, but I just when we're on the instruments, I will say, "Hey, guess what? F is do." Uh -huh today and uh, last week G was dough mm -hmm. now F is dough if F is dough on the instrument as you're looking you know that uh, me is a skip up can you find your me can mm -hmm. you find yourself so they know that there's letters out there but I'm not really connecting it to the staff we're doing it with sulfa mm -hmm. so that's yeah. a philosophical bit yeah so I, I Similar to you, Tanya, I teach treble clef notes uh, kind of right before recorder. And I, I mentioned this during our, our recorder podcast, I think I mentioned this last time, that I found personally that if I waited a little bit too long and I didn't teach the treble clef enough before we started playing, my students really started to automatically relate G to Do. And this could just be a hiccup somewhere that's in my teaching. But um, I do kind of more of a mini unit. But again, I wait till right before recorder. Mm -hmm. So kind of like you're saying, they, they get the idea that there are letters out there because we've done things with ORP instruments. And yes, gasp, boom whackers. I do some things with boom whackers. Tanya okay, has strong okay. feelings. A little bit. Um, so they get that there are letter names and they do correspond here and there. But I really hit it hard and do a little mini unit, you know, just a couple weeks right before recorder. So at least they're they're feeling pretty confident with the treble clef yeah. as we move into recorder. You know, I was so, thinking about that just this week because uh -huh. I remember you talking about that. And I actually think that got edited out. Oh, okay. Time, well, there you go. Where now you you've heard about, my sad story about Where, where you talk about kids um, really thinking that G dough is yeah. like the only dough. And, um, and I mentioned to kids just today because we're on what day three of recorder with my third graders and we were looking and looking at hot cross buns mm -hmm. and I was saying hey kids most of our recorder songs are gonna be G do yeah but you know that do could be here and do could be there and so I just wanted to give them the uh, little reminder because I was thinking about our conversation yeah. about that about how G is not always dough. Right. But guess what? It's going to be dough for a lot of this. For a lot of this, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, for me, that's generally fourth grade, but you do recorder in third grade. So, is that when you're introducing your treble clef? Yep, that's when third we bring grade. it in. And I've done it different ways and had various 
varying success with different ways. Um, I've done it where I focus just on space notes, mm -hmm. one class period, and then just on line notes on another class period where we're um, learning the letters that way. And before all of this, I we really it needs to be said that my um, students starting in first grade, we talk about the staff, but we don't use the treble clef. And we talk about how we go from the bottom up and we have lines one, two, three, four, five and spaces one, two, three, four. And we, I'm really deliberate about on a line or in a space, right? And we take some time on the staff with the little erasers or the little note heads and say, okay, put your note head in space three. Now move it to be on line two and that kind of thing because they need that work too. And I remember mm -hmm. when I first started teaching and I just assumed, well, this is such an easy thing, of course. If I just mention to it, mention once that here are the lines and we're on a line or in a space, then it's no big deal, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, <laughs> no, no. Well, and then you think about in their classroom when they, they're asked to write their name on the line. Yeah, it's right on top of it. It's that. on top of the line. Mm -hmm. And then so in first grade when we're doing some staff for the first time, I go, you know, boys and girls, if you write your name, on the line in your classroom, it looks like this, and I write it on top of the line. But here in the music room, if I say on a line, we mean on the line. And then on my smart board, I like move my signature like right on top of that line. Yeah. And then it's very cute because like for the rest of the year, if we're doing any kind of like short worksheet and I have the name up on the top corner, kids will write their name on the oh, line. Oh, that's so cute. I know, I Aww. love it. <laughs> It takes a little while to read that, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Wait a little a muddied, but um, yeah, so we talk about on a line, in a space, then numbered lines, then lettered lines. And it's interesting because the mnemonic devices that we all use, mm -hmm. um, Every Good Boy Does Fine, every, Elvis's Guitar Broke Down Friday, which is oh, one yeah. of my kids' favorites. Um, I've been teaching a while, so uh, once upon a time, even George Bush doesn't flush was a big one. Nice. Yeah, for the lines. <laughs> but then some kids really are able to better understand if you point out that, hey, look, we're going in alphabetical order, line to space, line to space, line to space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. that's true. Some kids definitely gravitate more towards that. Then. Yeah. And again, if you've done any work with the xylophone, they're already familiar, too, with the idea of the musical alphabet starts over after G. Exactly. So hopefully that's not a totally new concept, but right. you definitely oh, have we to review it. Yeah. Uh, we sing the musical alphabet song. Do you sing that one? Yes, I stole that idea from you. Oh, I love it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. A, B, C, D, E, yes. F, G. A, and B, I think C, it's D, funny, e, F, G. which it I love. It is funny. <laughs> and then we just sing it all the way through. Yeah. Now, something else that I totally learned from you, Tanya, that I thought was really great is you... you taught about um, doing a card game where you had little cards that was do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, all the way up through high, do, mm -hmm. and then you had letter cards. Yes. And A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A, and you would line them up along with it. Yeah. And, and I remember talking with you about that and, oh, well, gosh, if you're doing this in third grade and they haven't learned fa and T yet, you're having them lay out these cards, and you had a really cute thing you would say about... You haven't been formally introduced to these friends, but... Well, yeah. When we talk about Solfa Street, yeah. which um, is an idea that came from Sister Lorna mm -hmm. at uh, um, Holy Names. Um, when we talk about Solfa Street, we say, well, because we have Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do in the room displayed, um, you know that Ray 
is gonna move in between Doe and me, but we just haven't been formally introduced. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you know someone lives on your street, and you know a little bit about them, and you can pick them out of a crowd, but you just haven't really gotten to know them. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole idea of, like, in the prepare stage, we shall not utter the name Ray. I mean, that that's a little bit um, unnecessary. Right. Because they know it's Ray. They know that that's going to happen. Well, they see your posters around the room. Right. They, it's not so much a mystery. Uh-huh. But I like the activity because I like you lay it out A to A, and it can... No, we're not going to introduce to the kids the idea of in the key of A, you need right. sharps yet. Just the basic idea that if Doe is A, then Ray is B. Right. And just so they see the correlation of the alphabet. And then you have them build it in another key again, but you're not giving them the idea of what a key is. It's mm-hmm. just that idea that the letters correspond. Right. So now make C be your Doe and then now lay out your cards Oh, and notice that the low dough and the high dough match. I mean, just that activity with the cards. Yeah. I really love doing that with the kids is that first step, too, before showing them anything on the staff, just to get them to understand that letter to sofa correlation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like using those cards a lot, too. Um, and if you're interested, I did make a pack of those cards, absolute pitch names and sofa um, cards. And that is in my TPT store. I'll leave a link to it. It's uh, Music Pitch Basics. So there's a few different sets in there of cards to use like that. Yeah. And instructions on how you do that. And, and it's interesting because when, when I came up with this, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is really boring. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> and it was something that the kids really enjoy doing because yeah. they kind of make it into a contest. So after we lay out our Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do... Um, then we see, okay, F is going to be Do. Let's see how quickly you can put down F all the way to Do, from low Do to high Do, go, you know, that kind of thing. And um, it just becomes kind of a game. And then, you know, okay, F is Do. What do you have for So? What do you have for Me? And it just kind of familiarizes them with that. And then they they can do this on their own on the instrument as well. If Mm -hmm. I had... A xylophone or a metallophone or a glockenspiel for every single kid, I'd also be taking it to the instruments right away. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can set up their bars right. to, to replicate. And something else I remember, again, when you did the, you did this as a little workshop once for our right, local yeah. Kodai chapter, and I was like, oh, brilliant, is after we laid out the cards then, we immediately brought it back to song literature, which is so important because, again, we don't want to just be teaching these kids these concepts just for the sake of memorization. So, okay, now now that you have your cards laid out in C-Do, let's sing the song Rocky Mountain, let's say. And that's yeah. a song that they know really well, that they can point to the solfa while they're singing. Okay, well, now this time, instead of pointing to the solfa, point to the letter name cards. Yes. So they're seeing immediately that correlation back to the song literature and then it's very concrete and anything that they have memorized with the sulfa names you can then take that into even like your hot cross buns yeah right oh yeah um and and that's really fun and exciting because i love pointing out to students especially when we're doing recorder like wow we can sing the rhythm we can sing the lyrics 
We can sing the absolute pitch names. We can sing the solfa. Wow, look how musically literate you are. Yeah. You can you know hot cross buns in like four different languages. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and especially cuz I work in a school where children are very bilingual, truly. Mm -hmm. We talk about then as a musician, you can be bilingual and trilingual and yeah. because you can do all these different modes of yeah. learning, all these different languages. Yes. And this is something that um, I have taken into concerts, like programs. Yeah. Um, when I've done recorder uh, concerts, which I know sounds horrendous, but can be a lot of fun <laughs> as long as you put a lot of parameters and, yeah. you know, the kids understand the expectations. But I always like to do a little bit of a demo saying, hey, you know, when we first got our recorders, we knew Hot Cross Buns. Uh, we might have learned how to play it on the recorder, but we can sing it with the rhythm. And we sing the rhythm while we're tapping it. We can sing it with the solfa, and then they use their hand signs. And now we can also play it. And and so that it gives you just a little tiny bit of PR mm -hmm. and a way of saying, look how we are in the music room, not just playing, not just singing, but musically, we're understanding all these different ways to do this one song. Yeah. And I think that's a really valuable thing. But anyway, back to the letter names. What's something else that you have found that has been really helpful to have kids identify those letter names and, and put it into play with recorders or other instruments? Um, well, once I've just kind of done the basic introduction and whatever mnemonic devices that they want to do, um, I, I like to do stations with, with the treble clef letter names and there's lots of different resources out there for tons stations and tons, yeah. tons of them if we you will link Pinterest some of the whatever. ones that we've had uh good successes with. yeah absolutely um and uh something that i remember um alien miracle came out and did a presentation here in colorado about this is um it's a really great way to um, assess your kids is on these little mad minute type assessments. Yeah. Aileen has a set. Do you have some? Lots of people have sets. Yeah, I the first set that I saw was from that record, the complete recorder resource. Oh, right. The Denise Gagne. Yes, stuff. yes. So I used her stuff for right. ever. So once I've taught um, the treble clef uh, pitches, we do a mad minute right away as kind of our baseline. And then um, I can easily see like which kids got it right away, which kids are struggling. And um, something that I remember Aileen then talking about in her workshop that I really put into action is really trying to find that place where their breakdown of information is happening. Mm -hmm. And so while we're doing different stations, I um, anchor myself, to use Aileen's turn, I seat myself at one station. And so at that station, I've got little staff boards and little note heads. And so I'm asking them to either spell a word or just find a certain pitch. And I can really then well, first of all, I group the kids before we start according to their score on that Mad Minute assessment. Ooh, wow. So Look all, at you, ability grouping. I know. Well, and this is something that in the music room I feel like we don't do often and because it's it's hard to do with as little yeah. as we see the kids and as much as we're doing. But this is a really great opportunity, I think, to really see, okay, is it are they not getting it because they're forgetting that line one is the bottom line and mm -hmm. therefore they were starting at the top and going down? Are they not even understanding what's a line versus a space? Are they just having a hard time remembering the mnemonic device? So if I've got them grouped according to their ability based on that first mad minute, then, you know, when my lower group comes to me, I can give them really easy tasks and then work with them individually That's or in small awesome. group. And then when the more middle yeah. group came to me, I give them a more challenging thing. So instead of just 
put your finger on the first line, okay, can you put your note head on B and then see how quickly they can find B. Right. And then when the higher groups came to me, they needed a more challenging thing, then I'm having them spell words. Right. Can you write the word back with three note heads? Yes. So it was a great way for me to push each group a little further, no matter where they were. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that after I did that stations activity, again, because I was really able to pinpoint where that breakdown was and fix a lot of that, then the next time we did the Mad Minute, poof, their scores went up. So that was something that I used for my evaluation for my individual educator goal. Yes, and I'm sure in different states they have different things, but that's very concrete data I was able to track and show that after these stations, and not just the one stations day, but then lots of whole group lessons too where we're practicing identifying. And, And in lots of different ways we're doing it. Um, by, you know, moving note heads on a staff, on a worksheet, a smart board game, and then, of course, playing it on an instrument, uh-huh. xylophone, recorder, whatever you want to play it on. So the kids are able to use different modalities to practice it. That's but awesome. But I was able to track through my data that they were able to improve. Yeah, and, so. that, and that is so valuable to have that. I mean, as music teachers, I think um, a, a lot of music teachers get hung up on the differentiation piece yeah, and how to address different students' needs yeah, because there's so much whole group instruction that happens. Right. And that has to happen. I mean, in the amount of time that we see them, it's really challenging to do anything where you can break them into these different groups and really help them where they need it. Right. So that's really, that's a great idea to be able to do. That's one of those reasons. And uh, we'll, I'm sure, have an episode about stations, but that's one of those things about stations that you really can make use of. Yeah. Like those different stations and... Um, doing small group intervention small type intervention. activities. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I do a lot of different stations. I don't always group by ability level, but mm-hmm. this was one concrete way I was able to do that, and it really did make a difference in their understanding. So, so tell us about exciting. your other stations that are going on oh okay so um i love the uh the whack a note website that's a it's a free game online oh i don't know so this one. oh whack a note's great we'll put a link to it um okay. it's through something and i can't remember off the top of my head what it is um but it's it's similar to like whack-a-mole so it'll say okay in this round whack every g so i have them do it on the smart board and so one student comes up at a time, and every time a G pops up, you have to tap it. Ooh. And if it's a different note, it you know takes away their score. So that's a great thing on the smart board. I'm sure you could do that. I'm probably on sort of some sort of tablet or device. Um, so that's a really great one. Um, uh, of course, any sort of worksheet is good. Um, matching games, and I know Tanya has some resources about matching games, especially with recorder. Yeah, I love matching games. Yeah. We do a lot of matching games. Um, yeah, so, well, there's a lot out there. Um, I also, I have one in a recorder bundle, um, and in the recorder bundle, it's got some fingering charts, it's got some recorder reminders, and also I just updated it so that it has a matching game where they match the recorder fingering and the letter name to the note on the staff. And that's just a really simple one, um, but there's lots and lots of, that, um, of those matching games out there. I think I mentioned before that I have used Amy's Treble Clef is Awesome mm-hmm. uh, matching games, and I really like she's got the differentiated levels where they're spelling a word or mm-hmm. it's just a single letter, and um, those are always fun to use. And so 
along the lines of your your grouping, you could keep that group at their level if they go to the matching game. Yeah, yeah, and have a different game. And for if each they group. have a different game like that, um, I love Staff Wars. Yeah, Staff Wars is great. If it, I, I mean, I have a set of iPads, but. I'm not able to purchase yeah, that's apps tricky is the problem. Yeah. There's a great free app. Um, I believe it's called Noteworks. I don't have it with me right now. But um, it's that's another one that there's a light version where you can just test them on a specific amount of pitches. I think it's from middle C up to second line G. But when I'm doing like piano with my fifth graders, that's a really great app for that where the little notes scroll across and they have to identify it by either selecting the note on a little button or on the keyboard. Uh So when I do keyboard, yeah, with my fifth or sixth graders, that's a really great app for them to do for that. And if you buy the full version, I think you get a much more expanded (laughs) range of pitches. But for the free version, it's not bad. Right. Yeah. Have we covered all of the different stations that you've done for... Um, yeah, I mean, there's some other ones that I, I've dabbled with, but those are kind of my go-to. Um, another game that I've played, um, it's a game that I, I saw on Pinterest once that was a sight word game, but I modified it to be a music game, and I'm other people I've seen have done different versions, but I call it Fiddlesticks. I've also seen it called, like wham or blammo or something like that Um, bang bang that's what i'm thinking blammo i don't know what i'm thinking (laughs) um but you know they have got the big popsicle sticks and you write something on it and the students take turns drawing a stick from the cup and then they have to read whatever's on the stick Mm -hmm. um so in the rhythm version this has nothing to do with treble clef but i'll get there but in the rhythm version they would have to speak their rhythm and if they get it right they keep the stick and if they don't they have to put it back in the cup. And then randomly in there, there are, in my version, I wrote fiddlesticks. And then in the other one, what's called? Bang? Bang? Bang. You can write bang. And if you get that stick, you have to put all the sticks back in. Right. Start over from scratch. So anyways, I made a set for the treble clef. Um, some classes took to it better than others, but I just wrote one pitch. on. I drew a little treble clef on the stick and wrote one pitch. Wow, you so, drew all those treble clefs on all the sticks? I did. I mean, but <laughs> I, I, it didn't take that long. Well, that's awesome. Um, so they had to pull out the stick, and they had to just say the letter name, and you don't get a redo. And, you know, they were pretty good about cutting somebody off if it was taking them too long. But you have to say the pitch right away, and if you don't, you don't get to keep your stick. Right. Um, I mean, you could probably do the same thing where you write out a word and they have to spell the word again if you wanted to make a differentiated set Mm -hmm. so that's just another little and then for your perfect pitch kids they have to sing it yeah i don't i don't really have to go that far in my differentiation yeah if you do no no yeah please let us know if you have lots of piano players at your school maybe yeah i'm not so fortunate so so those are kind of some of my go-to activities how about you tanya your turn Uh, (laughs) for well a lot of the ones that you already mentioned um you know i love the apps like the staff wars one there's been um a couple of others once upon a time there used to be a cd rom called music ace oh yeah and i miss it so much i don't even know why i'm mentioning it because it is gone 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 um because it came on a disc and there was music ace one and music ace two and it's just chock full of fantastic oh boy there was like ear training things Mm -hmm. and like sight reading things and um identification stuff and note naming stuff and um i don't know so music ace people if you're out there i'm sure you're not hearing this but 
bring it back. Bring I don't know back, why it please. hasn't been brought back. I was able to get it and somehow get it on my laptop, so I still do have it. You do? I do. I feel like I've smuggled something into my laptop, yeah, but um, I'm holding century. on to it. Yeah. So I, I miss, I used to use, use Music Ace quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the, I mean, there's some fantastic worksheets. I'm not a huge fan of worksheets because it kind of takes us away. Sometimes I feel like we need to be making music more and writing right. less. But when you're talking about note names, it's really, I mean, it's necessary. Sometimes you just got to put that pencil mm -hmm. to the paper. And I love the Mad Minute um, yeah. idea. And uh, there have been times where I start the class, like we come in. You get your paper, you get your pencil. I say go, you do your mad minute. And of course, nowadays with everyone having our smartphones and everything, I just have the time going um, displayed uh, on the board. I mean, I guess you could use a, a timer on uh, a website or something as well. Yeah. So uh, they can just write down their time when they're done. Oh, well, once upon a time, a long time ago, uh, before before everyone was doing smartphones and there were timers and everything, um, I would tell kids what their time was. Like, I would have a stopwatch. Oh, yeah. And this was before dot cams, too. Which just shows you how long I've been teaching, like, a long time. <laughs> yes, there was a time before document cameras. We and had we these things called overhead projectors. Yes. And on overhead projectors, <laughs> you weren't really showing your stop. It doesn't didn't really work that way. Right, right. So, so I would start a stopwatch and do mad minutes. Um, and then when kids had finished the page of naming all these notes, they would raise their hand, and I would go, 113. And they'd write oh. that down. See, okay, I do mad minutes differently because I give them a minute, and then it's how many notes they're able to identify within oh, the minute. Oh, okay. So, like... Once when the, the minute's, minute's done, done, put your pencil done. down. Okay. Yeah. And then however many pitches, not only did they finish, but get correctly, uh -huh. that is their score. Oh. Just a different way to Yeah, do well, it. I just let them finish the whole page. Oh, okay. And once we hit like two and a half minutes, I just cut them off. Yeah. And most of them are done. Interesting. I mean, it depends on how long the bad minute is. So... Hmm. Yeah, but I tell you, they did not like me um, calling. Uh, there were some kids who got really distracted by, well, yeah. by you know, by people around them raising their hands and right. telling their, them their times. Yeah. And now they just finish, look up, write down the time. Oh, that's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. Well, huh. the, uh, yours is an interesting way to do it, too. <laughs> How many well, there you go. I would feel, I do have a few kids that I would be a little concerned that they'd be like, oh, I only got four done, you know. And wow. Yeah. That, that hence the, the need for speed. <laughs> yeah. That that stresses some kids out. But I, right. I get it. I yeah. And it's just one thing that we do, you know. Yeah. And there's lots of different of ways. for us to share a work smarter not harder teacher tip and Tanya is going to share a tip for us today okay well this is like a very tiny tip and one many of you probably already do but it's just I just want to put it out there this is one of those things that um, it just saves yourself saves your voice whenever you can have the kids do something uh, instead of you it's worth doing and here's an example if you are having 
a circle game or some singing game where there is two circles, like an inside circle and outside circle, then the kids are the ones who should say whether they're inside or outside. So I'll say, okay, Tyler, you say in, and next to you, Sasha, you say out, and now we're going around the circle, and then the kids take it away with in, out, in, out, in, out. And all I'm doing is standing in the center of the circle and just motioning to the next kid. Yeah. And so it's just all on them. Oh, I think it's great. And then if they're saying it, that helps them remember it. Exactly. It's just the verbal act of saying it helps them remember. And then I do um, also, sometimes we can go nonverbal. Yeah. And we're going to go around the circle. You're a one or you're a two. Mm -hmm. And put up your one really up high. And once that person does it, then you put up your two. And yeah. And then we just go, 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 go. It also goes a lot faster um, than if I have to go one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Yeah. So it's just one of those work smarter not harder and make the kids do it whenever you can absolutely and now we've reached our coda section where we give a recommendation of something we've been enjoying in or out of the music room so what have you been digging lately? Um, I'm going to share something that I use in my classroom, and it actually relates back to our main theme. Um, there is a great website called makingmusicfun.net. Some of you might already be familiar with it because it's been around, but it's a great website because it has an excellent library of free printable music theory worksheets. Free. So free. Free, free, free. free. And they're well done because... You know, they're they're not too busy. It's kind of goes back to that idea of just giving kids what they need. They're very clear. They're very concise, good directions, and a lot of treble clef stuff. Um, so there's some, like, color by note worksheets and just some um, – there's some more, like, time test kind of worksheets. There's a fun one for the bass pl- clef that I pull out when I do piano with my older students um, where it's like a crossword puzzle where they have to figure out – the word on the staff and then write it into a crossword puzzle. So when I create little packets for my students, whether it's fourth grade recorder or fifth grade piano, and there's, I create little printable packets that have worksheets in them, plus the literature that they're going to work on. I always include a few of these in there because they're free and reproducible Mm -hmm. and um, they're great. So we'll Mm -hmm. put a link to that on our website. Totally. Oh, or on our Facebook page. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted Same to difference. insert in here real quick yeah. about we're always saying we'll put a link in the show notes and the show notes. And I just wanted to explain that I have now started putting the show notes. Um, well, I've been putting the show notes on my website, which is uh, teaching music, Tanya's Kodai aspiring um, blog. And the link that you see in SoundCloud directs you and links directly to my webpage where I put the show notes. Um, and that's where you can find the show notes. I was putting all of the show notes in SoundCloud and it's getting a little muddy in there. Yeah. So uh, we'll also have that link um, on Facebook. Yeah. And we've also, I've also just been putting the notes directly on Facebook as well. Right. So if you want to find these things, that's where you can go. For but sure. if you go to Tanya's blog, she's got lots of other great stuff too. Well, yeah, well, it's a great blog. Oh, Tanya. thank you. I'm, I I need to. I've been um, a very lazy blogger. 
Um, huh, you've been busy. Yeah. I, I like talking more than the writing. That's so true. We're doing I, this. And then we're doing this. Uh, so at least we'll have all the show notes on the blog. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tanya, you're up. Oh, what you know you what? What do you have for a recommendation? Well, before oh. I give my personal re recommendation, I wanted to give you, Carrie, a shout out. Me? Yeah. And this is where <laughs> if I had one of those fun little DJ buttons, I'd go, yay. Clap, clap, uh, clap, because clap, clap. you recommended last week um, that YouTube video, How Do Woodwind Instruments Make a Sound? Yeah. The whole house of sound thing. Yeah. And I had never seen it. Actually, honestly, I had seen like the first minute of it once upon a time. Yeah. Because I remembered seeing it, but I discounted it because early on in the video, uh, they they play a recorder badly. Just one yeah. note, and she yeah. says, and and then the guy says, um, clarinet wins every time over recorder. And, oh, and then that's recorder where recorder right. So yeah. now, well, yeah. And I had stopped it, like when I had seen that, I was like, forget that, moving on. I know. So, but I used it this past week, and I was showing my kids. And it was really awesome because there was a couple of them who were like, oh, like the light bulb went on. And yeah. they were audible about it. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then I had a parent email me and say, hey, my son's been talking about that a video you've shown in class. What's that link? Oh, fun. I know. And it's such a short, simple thing. Yay. I, I will say, though, even though I do love these videos, there are some questionable things. So, for example, at the end of the woodwind one, when they make a carrot into a woodwind instrument, they actually put, like, a brass mouthpiece on it. Yeah. So they're buzzing their lips, which kind of takes away from the being of a being woodwind. Yeah. So anyways, I mean, just, you know, take it or leave it. Depends on how persnickety you are. But well, the then, general gist of it is really yeah. good. And then they start, like, playing along with um, a fast, <laughs> a short ride yeah. in a fast machine and making obnoxious <laughs> noises, which I just told my kids not to do. Right. But that's just but a little bit of The that. younger kids love it. Yeah. So anyway, shout out to oh, you. Oh, well, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed You're it. You're welcome. But um, now I'm going to get personal. Okay. Because I've, <laughs> I've hardly been personal. Um, there's, I've been, it's been winter finally here in Colorado. Yes. We've been waiting forever and now we've got winter. We have some snow. Yeah. Like real snow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, spring break's going to hit and then we'll still have winter and that's fine. Uh-huh. But so when winter is here, I tend to watch more television. Sure. But actually, this is something I've been watching for quite a while. Uh, there's a show on NBC called The Good Place. Oh, yes. Which I just adore and my whole family adores. And it's Kristen Bell and it's uh, Ted Danson. And I'm not really a big sitcom fan. And I don't know if you'd call this a sitcom in the traditional. It's not, um, I don't know. When I think sitcom, I think... Um, Full House, which is dorky, or I don't know. Hey, don't knock things. the Full House. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is dorky. <laughs> uh, that was kind of like after my time, so uh, okay. I was not the audience for Full House. But okay. anyway, it's, I guess, a new and improved sitcom. Anyway, it's it's very, it's philosophical. It's a little bit, um, uh, it's just out there, and it's really a fun watch, and my whole family watches it, and I've got an 8-year-old and a 12-year-old, and both of them appreciate it. And, yeah, there's some sexual innuendo. I don't even know if you call it innuendo when it's right out there anymore, but, you know. Stuff. And there's it kind of. Sexual it, stuff. So sometimes I'm like, huh, I wonder how Amelia's taking this. But it kind of goes over her head. So okay. I'm going to let that those little bits go. Yeah. Yeah. 
But it's overall a good show. It is. A You've really been bugging good me show. to watch it. So I have now, been. Now I have to because there's some. It's it's got excellent writing in it. Oh, well, that's. And important. if you know anything about philosophy, then there's some really fun philosophical tie-in things. Cool. Yeah. And Kristen so. Bell is adorable. And Kristen Bell is adorable, and she can sing. Yeah. Yeah. reach the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help other music teachers and music teacher enthusiasts find this podcast. Our next episode will be all about our favorite spring songs and activities in the music room. Until next time, this is Carrie and this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking. Hi, Carrie. Here I am. I am in a cave. I'm not in a cave. No. no. And neither am I. And I'm not going to move. If I don't move closer, if I sit right here, let's see how it sounds. But are you going to talk that loud normally? I do feel I? like you talk louder than that. I do? When you're doing the podcast, you do. Hello. This is Tanya, and this is how I feel about everything. <laughs>